Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 120. We are discussing the Rocket Mortgage Classic on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. He's actually got a tournament to tip up on next week. And podcast pundit, Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. How are you two surviving the post-Dustin Johnson concrete block on the back of the head miss from last week? Yeah, that one was kind of silly by us. Painful, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, he he went so well at Heritage on a course that he shouldn't really go well on. Mm. And yeah, I mean, changed the putter and it, the stroke looked really good. Um, so, Sunday's viewing was amazing. Like, because guys kept going well and then blowing up and then... John, you know, he hit, he reached the par five and, it, you know, it's a gift of a birdie. And then he goes and pumps one out of bounds and it made it very interesting all of a sudden. Mm. He was good though. He was really good. And uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he wins again soon. 21 PGA Tour victories and one major. Yeah. That's yeah. all yeah, weird, yeah, it's weird been, yeah, yeah, it's been pretty prolific. Um, over the last five years or so, isn't he, in terms of wins? Yeah. But yeah, no, it was impressive. You know, we obviously, uh, hindsight's always um, something to uh, to look at and get frustrated about. But we did, so we talked about him last week, didn't we? The, the stats coming out of Heritage were good. Um, clearly, he led the field for ball strike, he led the field for total drive, he led the field for all round performance. He topped the predictor for the second week running the predictor. Number one selection won the golf tournament, and uh, we contrived to ignore him on both occasions, which is uh, <laughs> which is rather frustrating. Bryson DeChambeau this week, folks, tops the predictor. Amazing, I who'd have thought who'd have it? Well, yeah, it's interesting because with both Webb and um, DJ clearly around the twenty-eight thirty to one mark, neither of them were the uh, bookies' favourites by any stretch of the imagination with those uh, two tournaments. Yet they both topped the predictor model for those. Weeks and they both uh, both came through and won the golf tournament. So well worth looking at. But yeah, frustrating as you say to uh, to to miss out on him because the signs were there. Um, but uh, we live and learn. And as we all know in this game, you brush yourself down and, and you don't have to wait long to have another go at another week, do you? No, it's always there's there's always uh, the next exam paper the following week. <laughs> Uh, visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, matches of tournament statistics and our predictor model all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Barry is on Twitter at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting and I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Please look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the golf betting show each and every week. Right, please take time to rate and review us on on Apple Podcast. That is the podcast currency and drives our list of numbers continually upwards as ever. For those who who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Uh, We have one here from Ireland, Barry. From Cormac McSporty via Apple Podcasts. He's a regular. I like, I like Cormac. He, he, he sends out a lot of tweets. Title of the, uh, of the review is Exceptional Golf Pod. Five stars. He has been listening for years. 
Steve and Paul are a cut above the rest of their contemporaries. He hasn't mentioned you, Barry. Paul's <laughs> Paul's Chay Reevy tip for the US Open at Pebble in 2019 was a personal favourite. 250 to 1. Thanks for the tips and entertaining podcast over the years, lads. That is from Cormac McSporty in the Republic of Ireland. Thank you very much, Cormac. That's, was that the second person to talk, to talk about Ches Reevy? Didn't, didn't, didn't we have that mentioned last week as well? Mm, potentially, yeah. Clearly enough. Oh, was it, I, think, no, I think it was Matt Every last week. Oh, wasn't it was Matt it? Every, he, yeah. Because Matt Every, he, he, you, you tipped him first round leader. He backed him each way in the overall oh, market. Right. He's yeah. saying he's a bit of a bit of a bad one. Clearly, we need so, to pluck out more of these uh, two hundred to one winners and places, don't we? Keep these fantastic reviews coming, please, uh, listeners, because it's it uh, the the actual um, the the p- positive vibes and statistical um, positives that it it sends to Apple Podcasts, i.e., iTunes, is amazing, and it just helps to drive the popularity of the podcast, right? Last week, we've kind of... Do we need to say much more about last week, apart from the fact that Dustin Johnson was a breeze block over the back of the head? He played well, didn't he? He did play well. I I, I was on Bryson, so I I watched him quite quite a lot last week. And, you know, with the featured groups, you're getting an awful lot of coverage for these types of players. So it was really interesting to watch him um, pretty much every shot for the first two days. And for me... When and it's not a case of if when he manages to tighten up those 60, 70, 80 yard pitches, mm. the guy is going to be virtually unstoppable. Mm. He's long game now. He's not just long, but he's hitting it so purely and so accurately. He's given himself countless opportunities, and it's only those short pitches. And he's going to leave himself many, many short pitches in. Given the uh, yeah, distance yeah, yeah. he's getting off the tee. But he's got to get that ball dancing around the pin because at the moment, those 60, 70, 80 yard pitches, invariably they're going to 15, 20 feet. You know, and you've got to be making some decent putts to, to really t- take those uh, opportunities. But if you're knocking those to within three, four, five feet every time, yeah. and he's playing well, you know, his short game's good, his putting's good, his long game's exceptional. Get that little aspect um, sorted and he's going to be. Very, very, very strong for every tournament that he enters. He's, he already is, but uh, even more so. Clearly, he's 30 or 40 yards further down the fairway than he's ever been before. So he's having to hit shots into the greens now that are shots that he's not used to. And he, he said that in an interview last week, didn't he? Yep. He's basically having to re-educate his approach game now. And hit different shots and different distances that he's not used to. No, no, absolutely. And you know, if he's if he's not spent his formative years practicing these, um, you know, the, the gap wedges, gap wedges into into greens, mm. then he's, uh, he's he's not going to be as good as he potentially could be. But he'll work that out, I'm sure. And um, he's going to be a serious player in these three majors this year. I think it's terrifying how dangerous he is mm. and will be because. He's proven time and time again, every time, you know, when faced with a challenge, he figures out a way to to get over overcome that challenge and become a better player. So, you know, the sooner he, as soon as he gets that, those kind of pitch shots sorted. I mean, he hasn't even fully clicked. You can see he's not fully hit his straps yet. And he's still threatening every week. Every single it's, week. Yeah. 
You can't you can't argue with the fact that he's a thirteen to two favourite this morning, can you? No, no, over no. here in the UK, no. because you know he's the class of the field, clearly. No, and him and Simpson are in their own little kind of island, aren't they? At the top of the top yeah, of the betting for, for the right reason, yeah. And it yeah, is a very, yeah. very, very, very poor field in terms of depth and quality. Simpson again, statistically, you struggle to shake him off um, any week, really. But this week again is is very, very strong. But yeah, I I wouldn't put anyone off. Covering off Bryson as a win only, just to uh, just to be there. Should he uh, should he get those uh, final aspects clicking? And as you say, that the, the field this week is is significantly weaker than it has been over the first three weeks of this restart. So um, yeah, it's a, an interesting one. And uh, again, top of the predictor model. Is it going to be three weeks out of three for the predictor? We shall see. We shall see. There were a few eye catches last week. Zach Johnson, we've talked about a number of times in the pod, haven't we? And um, he's getting better, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better yeah. all round performance, I thought last Positive week. Positive signs from Zach, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you're seeing him a lot more towards the top of leaderboards, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Will Gordon impressed last week. Yeah. What do you think of Will Gordon, Baron? Yeah, what a player. Mm. I mean, and, and it was so, so easy for him to kind of fall away and dwindle on the Sunday after that kind of funky round on Saturday. You know, he just wasn't really on it, but managed to get get into the clubhouse. And, like, Sunday's performance was just brilliant. You know, just put the head down and got going. Yeah. Um, and got a special temporary membership, which is, as we all know, really, really hard to get. You know, seven tournament, seven tournament window to get... Uh, yeah. The points, the points that would you you'd need in a year to get your tour card. Um, yeah, it's brilliant for the lad, isn't it? Very, very good. Very How good. Spieth got his card back in twenty thirteen. Mm. Yeah, decent prospect mm. there. Brendan Todd as well. Again, you know, we we saw him at the back end of last year, didn't we? Win those two back to back tournaments, and I put him up. Um, which one did I put a couple of weeks back? It was probably the first week back, wasn't it? Mister um, Cut, Mister Cut. Uh, the pre- uh, previous start as well, and then uh, he couldn't miss a fairway, could he? For the first three days, he was absolutely metronomic, and kind of wheels fell off a little bit on, well, quite dramatically on Sunday. But there was a comment on our Facebook group last night or this morning about, oh, you know, um, I, Brendan Todd. I can't, you know, the usual, oh, what a choker. But you think about it, you know, he's he's been chased by and down by Dustin Johnson, who was world number one a few months ago. It take it takes a special kind of player to say, "Oh yeah, Dustin Johnson's closing me down. Uh, it's not going to affect my game." Mm. I I expect if that was Ted Potter Jr. chasing him down, he'd probably been fine. <laughs> it's all head games, isn't it? I don't know. It's quite you, prolific, yeah. Ted Potter Jr. You you think of Brendan? You think of? Or I'll say Jason Kokrag then. Let's use Jason yeah. Kokrag as a as a as a as an. But you think of Todd back in the autumn when he won those two events in Bermuda and Mexico. Mm. Yeah, he was playing players that were kind of on his peer level. Yeah, yeah mentally, I'd assume. But then you've got a big, you know, you've got the big dog like Dustin Johnson chasing you down, or a Rory. It's, it's hard not to to become affected by that, isn't it? Yeah. Another good opportunity for Rory that he passed up as well, wasn't it? Would he open sixty three? I think it was this week. Yeah, but we, yeah. as Barry said, We're, we know the master plan with Rory, don't we? Well, we think we do. I mean, it, it 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 looks for all intents and purposes like like we hit the nail on the head. But I mean, his his first round last week he was negative strokes game putting with a sixty three. Yeah. You know, so 
look, I, I think, I think, based on his comments as well, by saying like he made a few mental errors, it's just all part of the sharpening process to to get everything in line for uh, for a few weeks' time. Yep. Yeah. If that works and he snares himself a major or two, then that's uh, all justified, isn't it? Well, this is it. And don't forget, you know, Justin Thomas was a well-backed second or third favourite last week and he shot three over, missed the cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go- golf's never that simple, is it? No. And and you know for for listeners out there who haven't you know they've only you know you've only got into your golf betting since the uh, sport closure and you know you're learning about golf betting you know just because you're backing a, a Justin Thomas at twelve or fourteen to one doesn't mean that Justin Thomas is going to walk it. Golf doesn't tend to work like that, apart from when Tiger Woods was in his pomp at three to one every week. Yeah. Phil Mickelson showed some form as well, didn't he, he over did the first two days? days. Yeah, he's not quite ready for the uh, the seniors yet, is he? Having turned fifty, I thought so. The thing, the thing that I'll take from last week was Victor Hovland and his putting. It was uh, it was phenomenal for a man to finish number one for strokes gained tee to green of the whole field and not finish in the each way places was um, an eye opening performance. I thought. Yeah, he did pass up rather a large number of chances, didn't he? Oh, dear, oh dear. Victor Hovland to six point six and a half feet. You think, oh, knock that one in, and then you and then it comes up. Victor Hovland putt eight foot five inches. <laughs> yeah, well, at least he's getting it to the hole, Steve. You've got to take a little bit of a yeah. positive. <laughs> reminds me of the days I used to back John Senden, who uh, used to bang it into. To six feet virtually every hole and miss virtually every putt, and just watching the play-by-play screaming at the laptop. It did. Um, I have. I have. It has to be said. Let's talk about the Rocket Mortgage now. Um, it. Some of the prices I've seen this week have made me chuckle. It has to be said. Mm. There's some absolute shockers out there. Doc Redman at forty to one. It's like my lord. Doc Redman. The well-backed Doc Redman. 40 to 1. Yeah. That's just incredible, I think. That's, that's got to be up there with the worst price of 20 to 20. And I'm not really one to talk about value, but um, that is an absolute shocker. Could you see someone like could you see someone like Brendan Todd actually forgetting about last Sunday and and just starting to play like he did on the Friday and the Saturday last week? Or do you think that or do you think that'll actually hit him and that'll affect him for a, a short space of time? I don't difficult isn't it because when we saw when he found his top gear at the back end last year he did maintain it for a few weeks because he won two didn't he and then he, he was right in the mix for the third one as well was it the RSM I think yeah um, and he ended up finishing fourth or something like that but so it could have been to but how many times do you see a player of Brendan Todd's abilities win three PGA Tour titles in a season yeah or do you um, do, do you reevaluate what Brendan Todd's abilities are on the back of having seen him do that you know mm-hmm. should he be in a mentally for you for as a as a you know, an observer of golf should he be in a higher category Bracket. in your mind than than you think he is right this week's stop off is the De- detroit golf club it's 10 miles northwest of central detroit 
an historic club established in 1899. We're dealing with a hybrid of two courses this week, namely the North Course, 17 holes, and the South Course, which is the third hole. Um, it's a Donald Ross original. And I can remember this coming on the, um, the, the schedule last year. It's a beautiful golf course, classical, tree-lined. Um, it is a genuine Ross design. It hasn't been tricked up. It's had a, it's had some work to extend it and whatever. But um, you, you look at the golf course, it's a beauty. It really is a, a lovely old design, um, 1916 design. But the fact of the matter is, and you know, we need to we need to get down to uh, the real detail. It's a 7,340 yard par 72 which in modern-day parlance basically means it's going to get attacked and becomes a, a real birdie fest because, yes, it's an old golf course. Um, it's got pretty um, large greens and also extremely wide fairways. We're talking 34 yards wide at 325 yards off the tee. So I thought Bryson is licking his chops this week. This is this is the kind of, well saying now. I mean it. He can hit fairways when they're twenty nine or twenty six yards wide, but when he's seen thirty four yard, well, that must be. Mm, it's, you know, it's a go sign, isn't it? Yeah. Just to put that in some kind of context, you're looking at someone like Sawgrass. That's thirty yard wide fairways, and they're fairly generous. Bearing in mind that's a seven thousand two hundred yard par seventy two as well. So wide fairways. The other thing is, and this was the same last year. Uh, there was a, there was a quite a chunk of rain here uh, Friday Saturday over the weekend, but this week is going to be thirty three thirty four degrees every day. No real threat of rain, and you just know that those fairways are going to get some nice roll on them, and they're just going to be watering those greens each and every night to make them nice and receptive and stop them burning up. <laughs> The dartboard tour continues for another week. I I think this is going to be extreme scoring. I think we're looking at another RBC Heritage 22, maybe. I mean, Lashley won this at 25 under par last year. Yeah. I just wish one of these courses would like take the bull by the horns and differentiate itself a little bit from the other ones and just say, well, look, it's going to be firm and fast this week, guys. Enjoy. <laughs> there was that kind of hope with this last year. You go, you've got a beautiful Donald Ross design. You know, this is a guy that's designed some of the most iconic golf courses on the planet, like East Lake, um, and and you know, plenty of major championship venues. And you know, there was talk that there was going to be some pretty tough rough here, and the the greens they have got some severe contours on them. You're thinking, okay, this could be a really good, you know, twelve, ten, twelve under par kind of winning total. But I think with the PGA Tour, it's like, well, we don't want to scare the players off from a new tour stop, and next thing you know, they're shooting twenty five under. And that's what happened to um, Trinity Forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made they yeah. made it too easy, and all the guys are like, "This is crap." Mm. Blah blah blah, and now it's gone. You know, so like you you, you take away the, the, the you take away the what the course actually is, and try dress it up as something else, and it's not going to play like the you know like it was designed, and it's just um, from a, like. From a viewing perspective, it makes it more, you know, for my, you know, personally, it makes it more entertaining when you see guys having to like work the ball in off these contours on firm and bouncy greens, you know, and, you know, and play the course kind of as it was intended um, instead of this like just throwing darts at the greens. 
It's I just a shame. Yeah. I think you know because you're just watching the same tournament week after week, or at least it kind of feels like that. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Dartboard golf this week, mate. Um, Donald Ross designs um, Pinehurst number two. That's his most famous 2014 U.S. Open. Uh, East Court, the East Course at Oak Hill. That was the 2013 PGA Championship won by Jason Duffner. I think Duffner's got a chance this week. Sedgefield Country Club is a regular stop off on the PGA Tour. That's where they play the Wyndham Championships. I think Branch Schnedeker. Uh, Plainfield hosted the 2011 and 2015 Barclays, which were in the or which were in the P, uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, Aronimink. We've seen that recently. 2010, 2011, AT&T Nationals. Also the 2018 BMW Championship, which I think was won by... Uh, oh, mind blight. Oh, Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley won that one. And probably the most famous of all the PGA Tour regulars top-offs, of course, the Tour Championship venue at East Lake Golf Club. That is another Donald Ross design. Greens this week, we are looking at... Uh, I know this for a fact, so I actually emailed the, uh, the course superintendent last year and he came back to me and he said, 80% Poana, 20% bent grass. Yeah. That's the mix of greens this week. Um, from last year, what did we see? Well, we saw Nate Lashley shoot 25 under. Um, but it was interesting if you just look at the, the, the statistics from last year. Taking the par splits, I'm reading this verbatim off of my preview. Taking the par splits, the par fives put up a definite fight as they ranked 21st hardest on the PGA Tour in 2019. However, the par threes, they were the seventh easiest, and the par fours, the 12th easiest, were essentially there for the taking. So, players that can play par threes and par fours well might have an advantage. And he, When you looked at Nate Lashley, he actually... Um, he was a late alternate into this. He flew up there on the Wednesday. I don't think the bookmakers had even priced him up before the off. He certainly wasn't in the first round leader market. He was the first round leader. Um, but if you actually looked at his numbers, he was in the top 20 on the tour, bearing in mind he was a rookie for bogey avoidance. And he was also in the top 60 for par four birdie or better. So there were some signs there. He was also a very, very good wedge player. If you actually look at his wedge numbers... From 75 to 150 yards, he was an exceptional wedge player. But hadn't really done a lot on the PGA Tour. So I think he'd had a top 10 at Puerto Rico. And the outing before, he'd finished in the top 26, I think, at the US Open, Pebble Beach. So clearly, buoyed by that, he, he arrived here and was just peppering peppering the flags and, and holding plenty of putts. And it's really interesting that. Had he he, been, won, he won by six, one, one by six shots. Oh, he did water, didn't it? Had he been in the field um, on Monday, it would be interesting to see how many people would have stumbled across him statistically. Because, as you say, there were a few pointers there to there were to give you an idea that he was playing uh, better than his price would suggest. Because he was two hundred and fifty to one, I think, was one of the quotes that we managed to pluck out. Because, as you say, <laughs> virtually none of the bookies had him priced up. Priced him up. So he literally late, he. He caught the plane from Jacksonville, Florida at about 4pm on the Wednesday and arrived in Detroit, you know, getting on for, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night yeah. on the Wednesday night and then teed it up on the Thursday. Shot One of those stories. Never looked back. back and he's now got two-year PGA Tour exemption. Throwing that at you, Paul, you're absolutely spot on. He was seventh for greens in regulation and he was sixth for strokes gained approach. The outing before... At the US Open, he was also 14th tee to green. 
yeah. good numbers. He's the kind of player you'd have looked at at a price and said, you know what, I've got nothing really to back this up with, but he's one that could go well again this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, given the relative quality of the field at the US Open versus the, the Rocket Mortgage yeah. last year, yeah. it would have been... It had been quite a straightforward conclusion, I think. It's a shame he wasn't in the field to begin with, but uh, hey, you can't uh, wind the clock back and, uh, and and look at that, unfortunately. If we look at how you actually won this tournament last year, I know it's it's one tournament, I know you can't say it's a real template, but we'll look at it anyway, just for some, some background information. Um, in terms of the traditional numbers that we look at in terms of, of what players have done to, to win this actual tournament. I'm trying to find it on the preview. I'm having a bit of a bit of a moment. You have to bear with me, guys. Um, he was very, very strong on greens in regulation, and he was particularly strong in terms of his strokes gained approach when he actually won this. Uh, that won't surprise you at a tournament like this. Uh, I'll just read the numbers out to you. He was fourth. <laughs> These are going to blow your mind. He was 11th for fairways hit, 4th for greens in regulation. He was 6th for strokes gained approach, 3rd for strokes gained tee to green. Just to throw the throw it in there, he was also 2nd for strokes gained putting. How did he only win by that <laughs> few? <laughs> That's just, you're just not going to beat that, are you? Yeah, it tends to get the job done, doesn't it? So yeah, 6th for strokes gained approach. 13th for strokes gained around the green, uh, 3rd for strokes gained tee to green, and 2nd for strokes gained putting. If you look at that in terms of traditional numbers, 1.58 putts per greens in regulation. So that's just taking the Michael. And he was 4th for GIR. And actually, if you looked at Lashley's profile, he wasn't a sort of wham-bam kind of guy. He was the sort that you know he would find fairways and greens quite metronomically. Doesn't suggest... As per a lot of this information you find, it doesn't suggest that you're looking for players that right now have got red-hot putters, and that works so many times. Maybe we're actually looking for more kind of ball strikers and players that are accurate on their approach shots right now. I think you've got to give yourself a massive opportunities in this kind of event, haven't you? And then for, the, for that week, your putters Pray. just got to be hot enough to... Uh, to convert some of those opportunities, but if you if you're chipping around trying to trying to save par all the time, you aren't getting to a winning score of 22, no. 24, whatever the number will be under par. So what you're saying is Victor Hovland's going to screw me over again this week at twenty two <laughs> to one, yeah? He's going to have to find some performance improvement with that flat stick, I think. To, to it do does that. happen, yeah. Twenty two, right? I'll take you through the top ten of the predictor model again. William Hill this week, outstanding on price. Um, I pulled these prices together at literally ten minutes ago, so about our past, uh, about uh, it was about ten o'clock, I think, UK time in the morning Tuesday. Uh, they are offering eight places each way this uh, week at fifty odds. That is the equal best in the market, and they are dominating on price. All top the top ten of the predictor model are best price right now with William Hill. If you haven't got a William Hill account. Don't forget, via Golf Betting System website, you can uh, actually open up an account with their sports book and get a boosted new customer offer, which is bet £10 or €10 Euros in the Republic of Ireland and get and receive £40 or €40 Euros of free bets. You need to sign up via your mobile phone. You also need to sign up using the promo code 
W40. So that's whiskey four zero, and you will receive up to forty pounds or forty euros of free bets with William Hill. Right, ten is Kevin Nar forty to one. I won't keep saying William Hill eight places, but they are all William Hill eight places each way. Nine is Patrick Reed at sixteen to one. Eight is Bubba Watson at fifty to one. Seven is Jason Day at sixty to one. I think they should have a market. Will Jason Day actually make the tournament A, and will he? B play seventy two holes. Six is Brant Schnedeker at fifty to one. Five is Tyrell Hatton at sixteen to one. Four is Tony Finau at thirty three to one. Three is Hideki Matsuama at eighteen to one. Two is Webb Simpson at twelve to one. And as Paul said, if we're going to go for three predictor model wins in a row, Bryson DeChambeau thirteen to two is the number one predictor pick with William Hill eight places each way. Uh, I must say as well, key terms and conditions for that uh, new customer deal are available, of course, at Golf Betting System. Just type Golf Betting System or Golf Betting Tips into your search bar and you will find the website. Um, no real surprises there. I mean, at the end of the day, there's 10 class players there um, of a, a field that is pretty, pretty weak, in my opinion. Mm. I'll actually be interested to see the depth of field that we get next week at Muirfield Village, because that's the John Deere Classic replacement next week. It isn't the Memorial Tournament, which happens the week after. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of field we get at Muirfield Village for this work day open, whatever they're calling it. You'd imagine players that are going to be playing the week after will generally choose to play both of yeah. these, given it's on the, on the same premises, isn't it? Some will, but it was quite a late entry. And you know how these elite players don't want mm. to change their schedules or can't because of you know their agencies and their sports suppliers and whatever and whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Adam Scott come out of hibernation next week if he's going to play any golf at all because he could use that work day as a warm-up for the memorial the week after. But yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be interesting to see the strength of field for next week. Um, clearly, um, a lot of people will have had it down as the John Deere Classic, and most of the elite players wouldn't have been bothering to play that. So, and they're we'll playing uh, they're playing both events on Muirfield Village, but they're just alternating the tee positions. Is that right? That's what I read. Hmm. So yes, they're playing the same eighteen holes, but clearly wear and tear and whatever, they'll be using different tee boxes. Yeah, hmm. just to vary it up a little bit. Hmm. You should certainly so, get yeah. a good indicator for, for the following week from whatever happens next week in terms of how the course is playing generally, which which will be good. How are you two going to play this tournament on the basis of we've only seen one renewal and we know it's going to be some kind of birdie fest, which tends to be a, the most difficult events to call in terms of picking players? I mean, like, I'm, just, I'm... Just, just, just for your background, for the listeners' background... Uh, the prices of the places here last year were absolutely astronomical. I think Wes Roach finished second at 500 to 1. Uh, and that's bearing in mind that Lashley was 250 to 1. Uh, we also had uh, Doc Redman at 350 to 1. So that was first and second and third. 250, 350, and 500 to 1. Wow. Juicy. Well, I mean, it, it's, an easy it's an easy jump for me to to go for a higher price than that. Um, so, you know, with that sort of trend in place, now I've put um, a very small bet on Seamus Power at um, an absurd number. I think it's 600 to one, eight places. Yeah. 
But I also hedged that because he doesn't usually last the four rounds. So I hedged that bet. So I'm guaranteed money this week with this by backing the first round leader as well. He does like a fast start, pal. Yeah, yeah. So look, that's just for uh, that's just one of the little fun bets for the week. I'm, it's it's beautiful as a punter to see that those prices actually have hit in a tournament. The problem is when you're looking down at the guys in that price range, you're seeing a mix of form or lack of form. So it makes it a little bit harder to go and pick one or two to actually add to 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 bet. Yeah, there's there's not you look that far down and you're having to take a certain leap of faith. I think generally to answer your question, Steve, um I've only backed I've backed three players and they're all three figure prices this week. And it's not just the um history from last year to consider there. The other factor for me is that we're seeing this developing continually developing COVID situation with the um with the tour. We're seeing players pulling out players testing positive during the run-up and also during the event itself, as we saw last week. And you could conceivably end up in a situation where any of your players, by no, you know, without any way you could possibly foresee it, pull out. they end up pulling out, yeah. And, um, you know, if they're two, three rounds into a tournament, you know, Unlucky, you're, you're not getting any money back from the bookie. If they pull out pre-event, then you know, you're either a non-runner and away you go. But um, it does add an extra dimension into your thought processes as well. And I know there's been some some conversations and some thought processes around those players that pulled out last week. So if you're looking at Dylan Fratelli, who um, sorry, who played last week but has subsequently uh, tested positive for COVID. Fratelli played with JT Poston and Ian Poulter last week for, for days one and two. Um, but then day three, Poulter played with Chapel and Spieth. And day four, Chapel played with um, Jason Day. So we were joking earlier about Jason Day not making it through to, to Sunday, potentially. And he's already um, had a voluntary test for COVID earlier um, at the back end of last week because clearly he needs to know how he's, uh, what his personal situation is. But, um, you know, there the could be this domino knock-on effect from any of the players that have played with players who who have come into contact with players who have uh, subsequently tested positive. So um, there's a whole new dimension to try and work into your thought process. As if it's not complicated enough. Yeah, is it? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I clearly, I, I got it right with Harris English because I tipped up Harris English yesterday on my preview and he, within two hours, I checked my phone and he'd withdrawn. <laughs> uh, he's COVID-19 positive. So that saved me three points. Yeah, it's mistake um, money. It, it is a uh, it's another it is another dimension to consider to you to to your processes, and that that's led me down a route of relatively small exposure this week, and, um, and all longer prices should one of them oblige. But uh, I'm I'm still sorely tempted just to have a saver on Bryson at the top end. I must say, just haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. He's going to win one of these tournaments, he is, isn't he? Yeah. he um, is. We are going to be going to the Cathedral of Ball Striking soon, uh, Muirfield Village, as we discussed, and he's already a winner there. Hmm. Um, I would have thought that his total driving game and GIR game, numbers-wise, is going to be perfect for Muirfield Village. Um, whether he wins that tournament at, say, I don't know, because that's going to be absolutely minted, isn't the memorial? It's going to be absolutely loaded. 
yeah. going to be like a major. Everyone, I, I, that'll be Tiger's first start of the year as well. You would presume if we're talking about you know COVID nineteen and whatever, but um, I could you could see Deshambo winning it. Cantley played quite nicely as well. Yeah, did you? There's there's a I I set myself challenges. You know that. And I, and I do it for the listener's pleasure and for my own weird thinking. How can you link Nate Lashley, Wes Roach, Ted Potter Jr. and Brian Stewart? So I set myself that challenge over the weekend, yeah, rather than watching Victor Hovland miss another four-footer. I said, how can I link Lashley, Roach, Potter and Stewart, who were crazy money prices... And who are all in the mix and got each way returns and the winner here last year. And do you know I found a course that links them all together? Yeah, I had to go to the Corn Ferry Tour. That probably doesn't surprise you. El Bosque. Does that mean anything to you too? The Mexico Championship, they play on the Corn Ferry Tour. They did play on the Corn Ferry Tour. They play it at the El Bosque Golf Club in Leon, Mexico. Is played at 5,900 feet above altitude in Mexico itself. And Nate Lashley finished eighth there in 2017. Wes Roach has finished first and second there. Ted Potter Jr. has finished third there. And Brian Stewart has finished sixth at this El Bosque Golf Club. Don't ask me what the link is, but it seems to be there. I've got a list here of players that have played well at El Bosque. I know, I've, I've just tapped it in. I'm just having a look to see if any of my players are... Uh... I'll just read through the names. Re- Paul, stop cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm doing here, I'm reading through some names and if we get some obscure players all of a sudden finishing in the top five next week, I will take I will take huge props on this. Roberto Castro, Chris Baker, Brian Stewart. These are all finishing the top ten since 2011 at this golf course. Wes Roach, Tim Wilkinson, Chesson Hadley, Andrew Putnam. Adam Hadwin, Mark Hubbard, who he's playing some very nice golf at the moment, Mark Hubbard, Cameron Percy, uh, Patton Kizaya, Kevin Tway, Luke List, <laughs> and Peter Malnati. Now, Malnati is interesting because Malnati was, I think, tied in the top three or four after 36 holes here last year, then completely fell away. But, you know, this is what I'm saying. It does link in to this golf course. Wesley Bryan, who's playing some nice stuff right now, won at El Bosque in 2016. Richie Warinsky, Brandon Haggy, and C.T. Pan. Pan, of course, won the Wyndham Champ. He finished the... Did he win the Wyndham? No, he finished second at the Wyndham a couple of years ago behind Snedeker, didn't he? Pan's playing some nice stuff from tee to green. Sergio Munoz has finished second and third at this golf course. Uh, we've got Roger Sloan, Austin Cook, Seb Stracker, Joseph Bramlett, who's um, he's busting a lot of models right now, Joseph Bramlett. And we've got, again, Mark Hubbard finished his sixth on another occasion. Martin Trainer, Chase Wright. There you go. Now, I've tipped up a couple of those players. I have tipped up Patton Kazire at 150 to 1. And I have tipped up this morning as a replacement for Harris English. I have tipped up the resort golf course master that is Adam Hadwin at 66 to 1 with William Hill. Any names on there that tickled your fancy or you're going with? There wasn't, there wasn't any that you've read out that, um, that I have backed, but um, 
I'm not. I'm not saying that one of those is going to win, no, or that no, if no. you haven't got a name on that list, you know, don't back them. But just no. an interesting link there. It's in, in, interesting with um, Malnati because he's one of the kind of go-to players for these low-scoring resort-style tests. Um, Such can, a good putter, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he can certainly string a lot of uh, red numbers together. So interesting that there's a link there. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, as you said, he's been playing some nice stuff as well, hasn't he? He has. Yeah. Joseph also a Bramley. winner, was he's a winner this season. Yeah, yeah Bramley, as you say, because he got a couple of top threes on the Cool Ferry um, prior to last week, uh, playing at the uh, Travellers, didn't he? So I would, I would assume that Bramley is going to be, you know, in the in the six k range. I would have thought he's going to be pretty. I know, he's a hundred to one, Joseph Bramley this week. Mm. That's how good his stats are, and we've been saying this for so many months now on this podcast. A lot of these prices that you see. From from the um, from the bookies now are so related to strokes gain numbers. Because yeah. Bramley is you know he's he's been playing some good golf on the web dot com, hasn't he? Oh, sorry, the Corn Ferry, yeah. um, and his and his strokes gain numbers are through the roof when you look at them. But he's never had a top ten on the PGA Tour. But from a DraftKings perspective, you just, people are going to be slotting that guy in, no doubt about it. Yeah, and it will come with him. I think he's he's one of these. Prospects that um, you got to keep an eye on. I think I'll talk you through Pat and Kaziah quickly. Kaziah is always one that interests me. Um, he he shows very very little, and then he he is one of these guys that on a 17, 18, 20 under par golf course just comes alive. And the fact that he was sixth last week, at six hundred to one. Did I see a bet slip at six hundred to one for Pat and Kaziah on our Facebook group? I just I just. <sighs> He's the kind of player that will string two good performances together. He was 18th for greens and reg, 9th for putting average, 7th for strokes gained on approach, and 12th for strokes gained tee to green last week. He was 5th for total birdies. He made 23 birdies at the Travellers last week. His two wins have come on the PGA Tour at uh, 19-under and 17-under, where he uh, he won in Mexico. At the OHL Classic, he also won the Sony Open at Wileye Country Club. Just, I just think he's the sort. Um, you just look at him uh, second at, in um, the the Shriners Open, which is always a birdie fest. Birdie fests are just his meat and drink. Also, second at Silverado in 2016. That golf course in California, classical, short, seventy par seventy two. Um, he finished second there in 2016. That, I think, is a very good comp course, Silverado. Branch Schnedeker's finished runner-up there in the past. Yeah. And l- this year, Nate Lashley finished 17th there after he won this in the June. So um, I think Silverado's a decent comp course this week up there in what Napa Valley wine country. So Kizaya at 150 to 1 was my triple digit selection this week. What about you two at, at these triple digit prices? Do you want to take the uh, listeners through your guys? Yeah, you go first, Barry. You, you made a compelling case for Kizaya. You uh, like him, dude. I might look at him. I might look at him for a first round leader, just continue that hot streak. Um yeah. He's one of those players that, and you know, there's 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 quite a few like this. They will just come from nowhere, find some form. The next outing, 
if the golf course is right, I'm not saying you know that if he'd done well last week, he'd go to the U.S. Open and finish sixth. But again, at another golf course that's going to be over, you know, twenty under par target. Why isn't he going to play just as well as he did last week? I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't. And he's nowhere in the FedEx Cup. You know, we're getting very, very deep now into the season. We're, there aren't many tournaments left before we we cut the 125. There's play, players playing for their PGA Tour cards. I could see Kaziah going very, very well again because this is his kind of golf. You know, 20 under par. Thank you very much. Got him, Barry. I've stopped you in your tracks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I, I like I said earlier, I actually have backed uh, Seamus Power for a bit of fun. Um, kind of all over the place in terms of adding, a f- you know, more than a few bets. Um, I thought, so I thought you'd a- be on Peter Uline, your old friend. He's actually shown a few signs. No, absolutely, of, absolutely. Of, of life. Mm, he is. Yeah. See, there maybe another first round leader. I don't know. What's he out there? Okay, yeah. Look, definitely one to consider. Yeah. If you put me back on him, though, it's going to be an affair that lasts for a long time and could <laughs> potentially be very expensive. I, I I have no idea who Paul is tipping up this week. He hasn't said anything to me, but I tell you what, I'm just I'm just scrolling through the odds here. I'm just throwing players out there. You want a player that's a high quality player and a player that, that on the European tour shoots birdies that are going. You know, birdie fesser is business. Tom Lewis. You know, I'm seeing him up at two hundred to one. Tom Lewis. Yeah, potentially, potentially. That's not what I've backed though. Okay. I thought I thought you might have had Tom Lewis. That's yeah. the kind of punt you'd have. No, I, I've, I've kept it relatively simple actually. So I backed three, um, and they're all hundreds of one or more. Um, the first two both showed some really tasty form last week, and as you said at the start, we've dropped down in four um, in, in terms of quality quite considerably since last week. Massive. Yet, um, the guy at the top of my list um, finished sixth last week. Um, and he's still available at 200 to 1 here. Um, and that's Ryan Armour. Now, mm. generally with Ryan, he's one of those more, more accurate players. Yeah. What really got me, last week, he led the field for putting average. Now, Ryan Armour is not a putter by any stretch of the imagination. That was his best putting performance relative to the field since he won the Sanderson Farms Championship back in 2017. And to see a sub 1.6 putting average from a player like Ryan Arbo, who hits a massive fairways, when he plays well, his greens and his approach plays good. And you couple that up with a player who's suddenly finding some form with a flat stick. And there was a, a fair amount of Poano in the greens last week as well, don't forget. Um, that, for me, is enough to, uh, to, to get a, a little bit of interest. Now, um, I had a look through his performance here last year. He was 46th. But that was coming in off the back of a 54th place finish at the Travellers. Clearly, 6th last week was far, far improved from that. Yet, he did open with a 64 here last year. He was um, he shot 64-69 the first two days. So, he's 4th going into the weekend okay. before, yeah. it, um, before it all started to get a little bit too much for him. Um, he also he was 4th going into Sunday at the Donald Ross Design Sedgefield a few weeks later as well. So, again, there's yeah. a nice Ross link in there as well. Yeah, I think he had a top five at uh, Wyndham one year. Yeah, quite possibly further back. Yeah, he yeah. Has. he's got one, he's got one, yeah, he's got one. So, yeah, I, mm. for me, for a player who showed enough form, and I say particularly with the putter last week, to, to finish in sixth oh, spot. S- second strokes gained uh, putting last yeah. week. 
and that just isn't behind behind Brandon's. How how many times have you seen Brendan Steele top strokes game putting when he yeah, did last week at the Travellers? He's another. Yeah, he was another eye catcher, mm. wasn't he, in terms of his stats? He was. So yeah, I've gone for I've gone for Ryan Armour at two hundred to one. Um, I've also backed Scott Stallings at a hundred to one with seven places. You can get a little bit more on Stallings if you're willing to forego the the seven places, but I've backed him um, uh, at a hundred to one. And he's another player he's like like Armour who finished sixth last week, and um, I think he's just been a little bit overlooked here. Um, shot 64, 67 over the weekend, and that's one of the best performances that were out there over the course of the two days. Uh, it showed a little bit of promise at the Heritage before that, actually. His third round 65 was pretty good, one of the better rounds of the day. What really caught the eye, though, he only made five bogeys in the entire week at the Heritage. Only made three bogeys last week at the Travellers, and that equaled the best performance on display for the entire week. We know with Stalins, when he gets hot, he can go low. He shot 2,400 yeah. to win the, um, what was it, the True South Classic, wasn't it, back in 2012? True South Classic at Annandale. Yeah. A Jack Nicholas design. Mate, you're bringing it all home to me. <laughs> it's all coming back. And he's got three yeah. wins in total. I mean, one of those wins was at uh, Torrey Pines. So, again, yep. in terms Big of the Poana link. And there's, um, there's that a... was the year that Gary Woodland blew up on the 17th. He won He won that, Scott Stallings. That's he's right, a good yeah, player. Yeah. He, he seems to... he go. He's one of these other guys that... He'll go missing for months, and then all of a sudden, bang, 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 he can he can string two and three together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. very, very, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he opened with a sixty-six here last year, faded after that, but he came in after missing five of his previous six cuts. So clearly, that sixth place finish last week is far better um, in coming form. Plus, he led the field for greens and regulation. Now, with Stallings again, when he starts finding those irons and starts hitting um, greens, then. Um, He's one that I tend to keep an eye on, so I was quite quite pleased to be able to get a three-figure prize on him, given how well he did play last week. Um, so that's two. The third one, a little bit more left field, uh, Chris Kirk, who yeah, is... Yeah. Um, one on the Corn Ferry. He yeah. did, yeah. 110 to one you can get with seven places, which is what I've taken on Kirk this week. Um and yeah, you said he won on the won on the Corn Ferry on his last start, didn't he? And history's shown before with um, a, a number of players that those who come in with some hot form from a previous or a lower tour can hit the ground running. And I, I don't think you know clearly this isn't the strongest of fields. And um, yes, it's a step up from that performance. It's um, what was it the Bear and uh, I forget what the name of the, the tournament was now that he won the um, Bear and something or other. Baron King was it? I'm, I'm, I'm not quite up there with my cornfield. You've got yeah. pubs reopening on the brain, haven't you? Was it the yeah, Bub it and the, Gaunt, the Bear and Gauntlet or something? It was. It was the Dog and Duck Open. Yeah. Dog and That's, Duck Open. Yeah. Um, but he shot twenty six under. It was. The, it was the King and Bear Classic. I have got it on my notes. Here. The King and Bear Classic. Where did that? Where did they play that? I don't know, Steve. Couldn't oh, I, I knew. Uh, yes, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I said, I said to you the other day, where did they play that actual tournament? And ne- never actually looked into it. Oh, okay. But he, was, uh, he shot 26 he, under to win that tournament. Wow. So if you want my player who's yeah, coming in, having made yeah. a stack of birdies. I mean, we've, we've, we've heard all about Chris Kirk. He'll see that time out with. Um, he, was, he was struggling with the booze and a bit of depression, wasn't he? And he seems to have turned a corner on that now, which is really great news Good. for him personally. Don't forget, mate, ex-World Top 50, four-time PGA Tour winner, Chris Kirk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those wins mm. was um, the Viking Classic at 22-under, so he yeah. can clearly go low. Um, 
he got no bogeys on his card for the entire week. He made one double, no bogeys, um, winning that uh, Cornwall Ferry Tour win. And wow. I, I, I read some of his comments afterwards, and uh, he talked about his good game. When it's good, he said it's definitely good enough to compete. Um, even at the top end of the PGA Tour. So he clearly still thinks it is a player. And as you say, ex-world top 50 player who's, uh, you know, it'd be great to see him come back and, uh, and you know, get back to where I think he rightly belongs. So he's, he's a player who has played at the top level. Um, in terms of Donald Ross form, he finished fourth at Eastlake back in 2014. So clearly made it all the way through to the Tour Championship that particular year. So, you know, there's a player there who in past days has been far superior to the bulk of this field. So, um, so yeah, 110 to 1, I took seven places. A bit of Chris Kirk action this week. But that's the only three that I've backed. So I've, I've not gone any further than that to, uh, to, to, to try and eke out a bit of profit this week. I have a, I, I have a bet. I have, I have, oh, sorry. Do you want to go in? Or no, no, I... you go in, mate. I want you to go uh, in. This is most likely going to end in me banging my head against the wall saying, why, why, why did I do it? But something just led me towards Tony Fino this week. Mm. Yeah, so he's got that distance. Fairies are nice and wide. It. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I'm actually shooting myself in the foot because I said to you guys yesterday, I said, I've got to stop backing guys and I need to have, to hope that they have a hot pudding week. Um, but again, I'm, I find myself back at a guy who I need to have a hot pudding week just to get above as usual. Um, but there's a lot of what he's been doing recently has, uh, you know, since the restart, that should put him in a position to be contending. You know, he's... Short game is not really important or too important this week, but, no. um, you know, T to green, he's in your top 20 of the recent rankings, Steve. Yep. Um, and then top 20 strokes gain total. So there's some scoring being done there by him. And he's making some, uh, he's top, what is he, sixth in strokes gained off the tee. Mm. So he's going to be putting himself in position to, to have a go at things, yep. whether he can dial in the, uh, the irons over the last number of days since his missed cut this week is another thing, but less of a strength of field. So I don't know. I, you can hear the doubt in my voice, uh, but the bet's been placed, yeah, so I can't take it back. <laughs> no, no. I don't th- he, he was in terms of his price and his position in the betting. He was an eye catcher because you normally expect if, if you're say, if, you you're, if you're using the va- if you're using the. Va- if you're using the value model like Jeff Feinberg does, who clearly is back five of the last six winners, and he has tipped up Tony Finau this week, you're 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 in a fine spot, Baron. Because <laughs> actually, that thirty-three to one spot, as Paul was saying, on on Tony Finau, who has you know been in the last group of the Masters last year, he's he's a quality player, isn't he? Yeah. No, who would you rather back? Would you rather back Tony Finau at thirty-three to one? Or Doc Redman at forty to one. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. It's, it's just to, it's total and utter garbage price, isn't it, Redman? Yeah, total and utter garbage. But yeah, I, I can see that. You know, at the end of the day, that that guy is too good not to win golf tournaments, isn't he? And th- this could this could be the kind of tournament he just comes and takes. Maybe yeah. it'll be him and Ryan Armour in the final group on Sunday. Yeah, putting competition. 
<laughs> I was genuinely shocked. I was genuinely shocked. I mean, as you said, eight week tournament, uh, eight tournament trackers I keep, and I found a guy that was second in this field for greens, greens in regulation. Yeah, so second in this whole field for greens in reg, right? I also found him. Um, he's tenth in this field for strokes gained approach over the last eight tournament window. He's. Uh, his numbers are just way out there. He's also in this field fourth for strokes gained total in the last eight weeks. So if you if you think about it, strokes gained current form, he's fourth in this field and he's at sixty six to one. I just thought that's unbelievable, Adam Hadwin. I just I had to take that. Hadwin's playing some nice golf. A lot of shows. He's shooting sixty fives. You know, he's in the top ten on one round at least every tournament he's been playing. And if you think about Adam Hadwin and you said, oh, you know, what, how, how would you categorise Adam? I'd say birdie fests, short golf courses, golf courses where wedge play, is, wedge play and putting are absolutely critical. He's also fourth over the last eight tournaments for strokes gained putting in this field. What yeah. is there not to like? Yeah, impressive stuff. I tell you, the other player at that price that I was interested in didn't tip him up. Was that is your friend Christian Bezadenhut? And you you say to me, yeah, seven under. That's his that's his game. Seven under, eight under. Uh, down in South Africa, was it this year? At the start of this year, he shot twenty five under. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been a slightly different level, but uh, I do mm. prefer him on tougher tougher assignments personally. But uh, playing some nice stuff though, he isn't he, Bezadenhut? Yeah. He must be fairly close, you know, to getting this special temporary membership, Barry, because he, he's been stringing some decent results together in America, hasn't he? But he hasn't had that breakout top five yet. I could see that this week, you know, potentially. Yeah. I think that's what you need, isn't it? So, Keziah and Hadwin, and then at the two at the top for me, I've taken Kevin Nahr. I just think Nahr, again, he's a bit of a desert rat. He, he, he You know, desert golf. Low scoring affairs. His wins are always at this twenty under kind of mark. Played very nicely last week, tee to green. I thought forty what forty to one was a decent price on Kevin Nahr, who don't forget has won three times in the last year. Um, I think as well, if we're going off bio rhythms, he's actually won the Green Briar. Uh, I think I thought he'd won a tournament in this particular time slot, but I might be talking wrong. I think I've got that one wrong actually. But anyway, he's playing some nice stuff, Kevin Nahr. And then at the very top, his price is CAC. Um, but he's just playing. He reminds me very much. I was telling my wife about this last night. Not that she's interested in one iota. <laughs> and I keep telling I keep telling you two this all the time. He reminds me so much of Francesco Molinari in 2018. It's untrue. But you know, Tyrrell Hatton is just playing golf best goal for his career at the moment and 16 to 1 yeah it's a crap price but you know what you actually just look at his numbers you look at the quality of golf he's playing he he's he's up there right in this, in this field he's up there with DeChambeau he's up there with Webb Simpson just the golf he's playing right now yeah he's in great nick isn't he and I always take learnings from you Paul on the European Tour and when you look at his wins on the European Tour and you look at the scores he shoots on the European Tour to win tournaments it's it's pretty it's pretty scary really, 
He uh, he won the um, 2016 and 2017 Alfred Dunhill links. Clearly, the host course for that is St Andrews. He won the 2017 Italian Open, which Paul kindly told me was played on um, a classical golf course in northern Italy with a tree-lined golf course with bent grass and Poana mixed greens. He also won last year's 2019 Turkish Airlines Open. But the winning scores, 23 under par, 24 under par, 21 under par, 20 under par. That's 88 under par to win those four European Tour events. That's, it, that's and, his game, isn't it? And when he's won those European Tour events, he's won at twenty-two to one, eighteen to one, and eighteen to one. The last three. So actually, him winning this at sixteen to one. Yes, it's the PGA Tour. Yes, it's the best tour in the world. But this isn't the best PGA Tour tournament in the world. Let's be frank; it's pretty damn poor. So if he actually won this at sixteen to one, I would not be shocked in the slightest. Fair enough. So yeah, Hatton, Nah. Uh, I did put up Harris English, but clearly he's uh, got other issues at the moment and has withdrawn. So I've replaced him with Adam Hadwin, and I've got Patton on fire Keziah as my 150 to 1 shot. Anything else to add, gentlemen? No, I don't think so. Looking forward to next week where we get a little bit of uh, European Tour action. Have you seen a field? Yeah, it's, it's one of these. Um, combined challenge tour European tour affairs so it's only small it's only I think it's only a million euros it might even be half a million euros um, prize fund but you've still got the likes of Thomas Peters playing Yost uh, Loughton's playing so I expect Pat, uh, Peters given what we saw before the break will probably be favourite Yost uh, Loughton uh, Thomas Detry Adrian Aus George Kutsia all playing decent yeah decent. Paul, Paul Dunn's playing as well remember Paul Dunn lost his card at the back end last year had some problems with his um, with the wrist injury as I recall um, but it'd be interesting to see how Dunn comes back um, now hopefully fighting fit and uh, clearly keen to get a uh, get his playing privileges back on the European tour as well so, so I mean, to, to recap We've got two tournaments in Austria, but on different golf courses, yeah? Yes, that's right. And then we start this English golf swing. Is that we right? We do, yeah. So we've got, um, and that kicks off with the Bet Fred British Masters, which is being played up at Close House. And then, yeah, we go across a few other tracks. Uh, we play at um, Celtic Manor a couple of couple of weeks on the trot there as I well. Said, I said English, sorry. Yeah, I, I apologise. Yeah. I should have said British because obviously we're going to Wales as well. Indeed. Ap- Indeed. Apologies for that. But yes, so there'll be uh, that stretch which takes us through to the back end of August. So so yeah, as to what happens after that remains to be seen. I guess we'll have to play it by air over the next uh, couple of months with these events that are scheduled to see how they pan out. But um, but yeah, hopeful that we're going to get some, some good action and uh, great to get back to uh, to doing some previews and to, to talking about the European Tour, which has been away for far too long now. Is the course next week the one that they played European Tour golf on before? Is that or is that the second event? Yeah, no, this is the they're playing at Diamond Country Club, which was yeah, where they okay. played the yeah. um, Shot Clock Masters, which was the yeah, last yeah, one, yeah. Um, and prior to that was. The uh, Leoness Open, which was the old, Aust- yeah, well, yeah, effectively yeah. the Austrian Open. But yes, and I've got a couple of winners there over the years. I'm sure I, I, I you have. I, I'll have to go back and check, but I've got a funny feeling it was Mikko Kahonen who won the Shot Clock Masters. Is that right? 
Yeah. And um, G- high, 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 high GIR was Absolutely. your formula. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a course that very much suits someone like Joost Louten. So I think he'll be a horribly short price next week. But um, time mm. to start digging into the field and and hopefully dig out a little bit of uh, value in there. So there you go, folks. We've got European Tour and PGA Tour action back. God, this. When was the last time? It must have been the start of March that, that we could say that. Yeah, Was it the Qatar Masters or Qatar? So Tour Masters was the last one. one. Yeah, yeah, last one that was completed. So, so. so we've got two tour action next week on the Golf Betting System podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for your time as ever. Yeah, we've best luck, done, We've actually done a fairly short podcast today, so that's that's good. Um, good luck to both of you. Yeah, best of luck, chaps. Best of luck, everyone. Best of luck to listeners, and we'll be back again next week, of course, for two tour action on the Golf Betting System podcast. Thank you. Goodbye.